0: Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, today I'm going to be interviewing Don Spink of Blue Water Insurance. Don was, Blue Water Insurance was one of the first companies I insured my boat with. And I probably will go back to working with him again in the future. But before we get to that interview, let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. For over 50 years, Sailrite has been your authority in all things marine DIY. Do it yourself. What started as a mail-order correspondence course on sailmaking has grown into one of the largest online and catalog retailers for the marine industry. Sailrite stocks everything you need to sew for your boat. They are the only company that makes one design and custom sail kits. As a passionate group of DIYers, Sailrite's dedication to self-reliance at sea is proven in their products and services. Sailrite sells fabric, foam, supplies and more, including the legendary portable and powerful Ultrafeed sewing machine. So you can be self-reliant and save money by sewing your own projects, from bimini's to dodgers, sacrificial sail covers and sail bags to interior and exterior seating and cushions. Sailrite brings you the best brands in the industry for unmatched product quality and professional-looking DIY results. With over 50 years of bringing you quality products, unparalleled service and support, and free how-to videos, Sailrite is a name you can trust. Well, before we get into the main portion of this podcast, which is a view with Don Spink, Order Insurance, I want to give you an update of what's happening here in Salt Lake. Just like pretty much the rest of the world we've shut down. We're self-quarantining up at the ranch. Beautiful location for doing it. But during the next few weeks, as long as I decide to stay up here, I'm going to be trying to get out a few interviews and using this time to be as productive as I can on the podcast. And of course, in my job, as long as I have a phone and a computer, I'm still working. just is a different location than my office. I have a studio up here. I don't think the quality is quite as good as the studio in the city, but I think it's still decent quality. We had an earthquake here this morning. It's March 18th, 2020 when I'm recording this. And it's the first big earthquake we've had in Salt Lake. I should say, I think it was a 5.8 on the Richter scale for probably 20 years. And it's the first earthquake my daughters ever remember. They, They felled it down in Salt Lake. We felled it just lightly up here in the mountains. But everything's fine. The houses my daughters live in are new houses, and so they have the new earthquake standards built into them. And my two houses up in the avenues of Salt Lake, both of them are fine as well. So nothing new to report on that. If you have some suggestions on people that I should reach out and talk to, let me know. Send it to me in an email, franz1 at medsailor.com, because I'm going to try to get some interviews done while we're waiting for this virus to work its way through the population. If you have some stories to tell, share them with me. Share them with our listeners. I'd appreciate that. All right, let's get on to my interview with Don. I'm on Skype with Don Spink. The uh, audio quality is a little worse than normal because I'm on Skype calling a landline, and so I'm a, I'm hearing a little bit of uh, background hissing, but that's the best we can do today. I had an interesting occurrence uh, last month when I was traveling in New Zealand, I got an email from my insurance company, Pantaneous, which told me that they were canceling my insurance and we're not going to renew it this year. And when I first launched my boat, I insured domestically through Allstate, and then when I went offshore, I got my insurance through Blue Water Insurance a long time ago. And so I I have a history going with Don Spink back over. 20 years, Don. It's hard to imagine that we have gotten old. It's been that long since we've actually been dealing with each other off and on. Now, I did switch to Pantaneous over the years, but now it looks like I'm going to be going back to Blue Water Insurance because of what's happening in the insurance market. Now, Don, you're the founder of Blue Water Insurance. Tell me a little bit about your company.
1: Our company was formed in 1994 when uh, Myself and Rob Robert Kidd, uh, he was the uh, manager of the A.W. Lawrence Florida agency, in uh, which is a New York company, and uh, they had a yacht program. It was a worldwide program, and it was underwritten by United Community Insurance Company, uh, their own company, and uh, they got into some trouble liability-wise with. Uh, third-party liability, um, workers' compensation, and professional liability they were writing. Anyway, the New York Department of Insurance shut them down, and Bob and I um, got together, and really for a good deal, we we bought the book of business, so to speak. We only bought the expiration list, really, and the files they had in Florida and all the customers. And we designed a little program with with uh, an underwriter in uh, London at the time it was Lloyd's and uh, we began writing vessels that were insured in that program for the seven sea cruising association that was the that were heavily involved and in extended uh, back in those days and we did pretty well with it we uh, we got about 3 years i think we got about 2000 boats insured with it many of them were small they were uh, smaller values and we had some some larger ones but we did pretty good with it and after a while we we did so well that we thought well maybe we see if we can develop a couple of progra- a program uh, for our own agency rather than using the brokers program in in london which is what we did and we did that in 1998, designed a program that was basically Lloyd's and fronted by a company called RLI Insurance Company. And that did real well. But the problem with that one was RLI had three other retail agents, different company or programs um, that weren't cruising yachts. One was a GoFast program. One was a shrimp boat program and the other one was a charter fishing boat program. The uh, Go Fast program and the shrimp boats turned out to be very unprofitable and killed the whole thing. So we did another program in 2004 with a domestic company at the time. It was called USF Insurance Company. And the only thing with that one, the only way we could get the US underwriters to take it was to not ride any Caribbean boats and not ride any Florida boats. So it was small. It only got up a couple of million, and, and that one did real well. But there was a U.S. wholesaler that came around and bought the insurance company we had, and they decided that the business they wanted to insure was uh, their own for their own agents, so they canceled everybody's business. There were the two programs we had. Um, Since then, uh, since it was 2007, there were a considerable amount of uh, Lloyds programs that were um, available at the time, nine or ten of them, I believe, quite a few, and we used five or six different ones and for ten years did a lot of business with Lloyds. It just just was uh, interesting. Uh, Some of them were larger boats. Some of them were small, some of them were new, some of them were old. But we had, a, had everything covered one way or another. And everything was going fine, actually, until the 2017 storm season that just basically tore the the U.S. and the worldwide marine market apart. The losses, the Caribbean, uh, from two storms over were there, and the one that hit Texas and flooded the state, uh, they say the catastrophic losses totaled well over a billion. I think there was a number. Somebody told me it was $1.7 billion in total losses. It was enough that it hit the Lloyd Central Fund, and that's when the Lloyd's chairman and his insurance committee got together and said, no more of this. We're competing with each other. And those fellows basically put an end to the uh, yacht insurance program all over the world. Uh, Lloyd's, one way or another, either directly or as reinsurance, had a piece of just about all the business that was written. And uh, today, all they're writing are vessels that are valued at $1 million and up, nothing in the Caribbean, and that's what they're doing. Um, there's no other Lloyd's programs available for smaller vessels. We call them the uh, one, one hundred thousand to a million limit. There's just just none left. So there you go. What's left today as a result of that? Even though this was 2017, you really didn't really come into play until 2018 and 2019, as most of the Lloyd's contracts were written on, written by. Lloyd's brokers under what they call a contract, and the contracts were kept in force until they expired, usually 12 months, but some of them were 18 months or a little bit longer. And then at the expiration of them, they just uh, didn't renew them, and that's when all of these things happened. The situation Hans had is what Lloyd's did with the uh, U.S. boats. They basically said, any vessel that is owned by an American or it's a U.S. flagged vessel, no matter where it's located, they're not insure them anymore, period. So that's why I got a non-renewal. Um, and they've, they've held fast to that. I, I've written, basically, since the first of the year, probably 40 vessels in the Med-Sea, which normally we didn't write any in the Med-Sea, but now... The uh, European markets, there's no Lloyds left, uh, are having problems with them. And, you know, the other European companies that are there are faced with this Brexit problem that they're having in, England, in the U.K. And uh, they still haven't got that thing fixed. So this is probably going to go on until sometime next year. And then maybe it'll sort out a little bit. There'll be some more markets in there. But it's, it's a real problem right now. It'll get better, but tough. It
0: really is. In my letter from Pantanius, and I don't have it right in front of me, but they said that I'll, I forget the name of the insurance company, but they reinsured through Allianz or another company, and they had totally backed out of the maritime insurance industry. And I assume that Allianz or whoever the company was would reinsure again through Lloyd's, and that's where everything has fallen out then. Is that what you would say has happened?
1: When they said Allianz, that was true. It was the Allianz syndicate underwriters at Lloyd's. Many insurance companies own Lloyd's syndicates, and they're all faced with the same problem. Like one of the syndicates that we did and still do uh, quite a business with is the Travelers. Travelers Insurance Company owns a Lloyd syndicate, and they're dealing with the same problem. And... Yeah. They all are. That's that's the problem. Most of the Lloyd's syndicates today are corporate-owned. They're not individuals like they used to be years ago. And that's that also makes it complicated because a, a, a corporation will act faster than a group of individuals will. And uh, when they decide it's enough, that's enough. That's what they do.
0: Now, I heard a rumor and, you, and I don't know if you can verify this or not, but Somebody told me that the, the Americans were so difficult to settle the claims with that that's one of the motivating factors. We're, we were such a litigious society that they decided it was more headache than it was worth. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Lloyd
1: has been putting that out for 40 years that I can remember. Okay. And they always say it's a litigious society. <laughs> we're no more litigious than anybody else. The thing about vessels, boats, marine, is we got... 80% of the vessels in the world, and <laughs> the, the, the private pleasure-wise anyway, and that's why you have them over here. I mean, they're all U.S. boats, and of course you're going to have clean And then a lot of them, they keep them where the windstorms are a problem. People that like to cruise like to be in Florida. They like to be in the Caribbean, or some of them will go over to the Med Sea, not many where they want to go down to Mexico. And um, this it's this the same thing. It's been going on for years.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I guess, yeah, it was Blue Water Insurance that I first about, it was, it was South Seas Cruising Association where I heard about your insurance agency, and that is exactly where I uh, contacted you from. And so I think I insured with you in 97, and then I actually had one very small claim over the years, and it was... Basically, I'd knocked off some stanchions off a boat in a windstorm. When I turned into the claim, and that was taken care of. It was really a non-event. But that was the only claim I've had in thirty years of sailing. And it was, you know, if I'd had more money at the time, I would have just paid it out of pocket and never even filed a claim. But at that time, I said, "Well, that's what insurance is for." And uh, and so, you know, you they've but I've always had good service with your company. So. I guess I'll be coming back to you. How are you solving the problem for sailors now? How are you placing the insurance now?
1: Well, there are some some uh, reinsurers that will insure vessels. Uh, one of the big ones we're using is AIG. Big American and international reinsurer insurer as well. AIG is not a direct writer of yachts per se. There's one program that's up in the Northeast. It's basically just a US program, but they do get involved a lot in reinsurance programs. And right now I have a couple of Caribbean companies, believe it or not, that are writing coverage and they're heavily reinsured by AIG and others. And that that's that's how we're unusual accounts. That'll probably change in another year or so. We'll get some more companies involved in it, but it's uh, slow going, if you might. You got to reinvent the, the wheel again. It's, <laughs> it's, it's tough. There's nobody wants to do it. Those that are there. So many of them are non-renewing because they don't have any coverage anymore. The carrier is either withdrawn or the reinsurance is gone, or the claims are too high. It's just one reason after another, and that's that's why it's a problem.
0: Well, I'm uh, going to be looking forward to my quote from you, and hopefully it's not it's not too bad. Have prices gone up a lot as a result of this then? They did right after the hurricanes, particularly oh. in the
1: Caribbean, and then they went up in the southeast too um, a lot. But it settled down a little bit, and the prices really are not a problem right now. Um, they're not that bad. It's It's the availability of finding somebody to write it. It's just not anybody out there. The marine market, when I say marine, I don't mean just yachts, but all marine insurance is really difficult right
0: now. Let's do a little bit of education to my listeners about what to do if you do have a claim. What's the first thing that if you, let's say you have um, a liability claim, you do another boat some damage. What what do you recommend happens first? You always report the claim.
1: Um, I have a lot of customers that will say, "Well, I banged into somebody where I fixed him, and I fixed it myself. I paid for it, and so forth." I said, "Report it. Fill out a claim form. We'll, we'll file it as an incident report, and we'll report it to the carrier. That way, it's on record. They can't deny it because you've." Complied with the reporting requirements. And uh, if something should happen or anything changes, fill us in with the changes and we'll keep them posted. But it's not a bad idea to keep them posted on everything. That's, that's how you avoid problems. And the other thing you remember, when you have either a third party or a first party claim, doesn't matter. You want to document it as, as much as you can. Photographs, plenty of them. Bills, receipts. Everything like that—that's what you need to have, so you can prove it. And same thing goes with your boat. A lot of the, a lot of the policy holders have vessels that are older vessels. And so, so a boat's 20 years old. That doesn't mean everything on that boat's 20 years old. If you have the documentation to show that the electronics in it are only four years old, then when they with that depreciation on partial losses because a lot of policies do have depreciation in them the clock will tick from the date that you put the new equipment in not the age of the vessel that's kind of thing there there are a few policies around we sell one there's a few others as well but not many anymore that have no depreciation whatsoever and those are nice policies to have but most of the companies don't offer those anymore. There's some depreciation in for partial losses. They do sell agreed value. They'll calculate what the value your boat is and agree on it with a survey and give you an agreed value. But that's only good in the event of a total loss or a constructive total loss. In the event of a partial loss, you got to go look at the policy wording. Do they apply depreciation for parts in the event of a partial claim. Of course, they never depreciate the labor, but, you know, there you go. Most of it's a parts anyway, and that's why you have to be concerned.
0: Out of, out of the claims that you, you've seen over the years, what proportion have you seen as being total losses versus partial claims?
1: Well, 2017 was unusual in a lot of ways. I'd say we, we had 53 claims from those storms and 45 of them were total losses. That's how bad that storm was. That's 180 degrees different from what normally is the case when 90% of the claims you see are normally partial losses. But, you know, when you get into a catastrophic hurricane like that, that's what can happen. So I, I don't know if I can give you a good answer to what it really yeah, that, is.
0: Yeah, that, that gives me the... That's good. That's that pretty much... Yeah, normally in normal times you just have partial losses, but in catastrophic events like that, yeah, that's interesting. Is Anything else we ought to talk about uh, as far as educating um, a boater on maritime insurance that you wish everybody knew? Well, what I would say
1: you do, because, you know, it's a difficult market right now, rather than sending submissions to... 10 people to quote your vessel, I get on the phone and talk to them. And you'll find out from a short conversation if the person on the other li- end of the line knows what they're talking about or not. And a good uh, anybody that's a boater with some experience knows the difference. And you'll be able to figure out who you want to deal with versus the other person that's just taking information to send it to a carrier and send you a quote and- they just give you what what the carrier says back and that's not always the best way to do it um, I, I could go into hours about the recommendations that I would give some somebody about what's the best coverage they should buy and why why they you know need to do certain things I I do write and still write quite a few uh, charter vessels today uh, that's one of the reasons we that's one of the ways we've been able to Stay in business because those are those are easier to place. The premiums are larger, and obviously you get people that need, in need of coverage, and that's, that's one of the reasons why that works out pretty well. But we still write We still we write a lot of boats in the Med, and we write a lot of boats in the in the Caribbean. Just, and I'd say 25% of the boats in the Caribbean we write quote in the box. The box is not a problem if the boat is properly secured for a storm. And hold, hold on, hold it. Me, hold what it. does that mean?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say what, what does, does the box mean? mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean?
1: Well, if you're not on it, you have it hauled, you ha you put it if it's in the box, you put it in a cradle and you strap it down with hurricane ties. That's how you can event you can avoid losses. Okay. And uh if it's in the water, well, depends where you go. Go south. <laughs> Don't leave it in the box in the water during the summertime. If you if you're going to be if you're going to be down there, go down to Grenada, go down to Trinidad, or you know the ABC Islands, somewhere like that. Get out of the way, or go over to Panama. Or, if you're going to leave it in the water, if, if you're if you're going to stay in the in the area where they get storms every year, it's, it's not a question whether they're going to get a storm or not. It's where it's going to hit, and uh, on those odds, you best to protect it as best as you can. Florida, <laughs> I don't know, different story altogether. Um, Florida, we have a, always a major problem in the Keys and in Dade County. Uh, the rest of the state, it just varies where you're going to put it and how well you protect it. But, you know, Florida's still uh, a real problem other than the fact that there's really only about four markets riding right now. Uh, Geico's probably uh, 40, 50 percent of the Florida market, believe it or not, that hmm. much. Okay. And their policy's not very good. If your boat's 20 years or older, it's ACV, whether it's a partial claim or a total loss, do not matter. That's all they're going to give you. And, uh, and,
0: what, and what does point. ACV mean?
1: Actual cash value.
0: Okay, all
1: right. Replacement costs less depreciation. All
0: right. They don't, de-
1: they don't depreciate the labor, but they're going to depreciate the parts, and then they'll give you the fair market value of the boat as they've checked it out on the uh, various services that give you values on boats in the event of a total loss. And uh, they usually, that's still, they'll still write agreed value, but they limit that. To
0: boats 20 years or newer so now I, when i sail into a country in the mediterranean and i'm clearing in the first thing they ask me of course is for my boat documentation the passports and then also the insurance for the boat they want to see that the boat has liability insurance in the mediterranean usually you get this blue copy that has it in multiple languages so it's it's readily recognized with the limits and so forth on the uh, of the policy I've thought about just buying liability insurance. Is that possible? And if not, what's the story on that? Well, in the med,
1: because you're an American, it's not going to do any good. The Pantaneous, for years, has written a liability-only contract and very inexpensive. But those are all gone for U.S. citizens, U.S. documented vessels. They can't do it, whether it's a full yacht policy or a liability-only they can't do either one of them. Are they still doing it for Europeans? I don't know. I don't have any. I don't have that many European clients. A lot of Canadians, a lot of Americans, but European clients, I don't know. Um, they may still be doing that. in the U.S. Most of the carriers that write liability only um, stopped. Geico doesn't do it at all anymore. Progressive, and on the age and the value and the length of the boat. And some they will, but most of them they won't. So there you go. There's, not, there's nobody else writing liability only.
0: Okay.
1: You can't call the travelers or, you know, Great American or any of the others. They're just not going to do it. They, you're lucky that you can write a full coverage on a yacht, much less um, just liability only. And if you're talking about a boat where it's cruising, going across on, uh, an ocean or anything like that, there's nobody doing that anymore unless it's a full yacht policy with all the sections covered.
0: So I'm going to ask you a personal question, and uh, my boat is, well, let's say 30 years old, and it's been well-maintained, and I had a survey last year. But, I mean, it's not a new boat, but it does it does have a, a good value even on the secondary market. You're probably in excess of $100,000, because of the type of boat it is. What sort of insurance would you suggest that I might consider?
1: Well, a regular yacht policy, and the, the trick is to find the carrier that will write one the age of your vessel. The cutoff point is usually 30 years. Those that are over 30, then you run into problems with them. If it's 40 years of age, forget it. Nobody wants them. But I do have one... Carrier that will write vessels over 40, but the pro and they don't do liability only. But the problem with a with a company that writes an agreed value no depreciation policy on a vessel that age, the factor they have to use in the rating uh, the age of the boat is significant to offset the no depreciation on the partial losses, and it makes the whole damn thing not competitive. That's 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 a just particular problem of that company but there are others that'll, that'll do an ACV that that you can do that um, I have yours is it, it, the survey is going to be the key with with the survey I have uh, a company that's a European company that may very well underwrite that and I'm waiting for your survey to send it to them to look at
0: okay all right so, Don, tell tell people. Cool. How, okay, so Don, enough about my boat. Tell people how they can get a hold of you and your company, and uh, you you might get a few phone calls from this.
1: Our website is www.bluewaterins.com. INS is short for insurance. Bluewaterins.com. Um, our phone number and addresses everything on that. The, the phone number. Regular number is five six one seven four three three four four two, and the eight hundred number is eight hundred eight six six eight nine zero six, and my email address is don at bluewaterins.com. Right, so, just give us a holler and we'll be glad to talk to you.
0: Don, so I re- can help you out. don, I really appreciate you taking the time and talking to me today, and I will close out this interview. But I'm going to stay on the phone and talk to you some, some more personally. Thanks, oh, Don. Okay. okay. Life is short, and all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing.
1: Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the fuck. What the fuck gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it,